Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, and it is March, and it has been madness, and here we are looking at my bracket, 14th place, not doing too good, but but the good good news is I have seven of my eight Elite Eight still alive, all Final Four teams still alive, and my national champion still alive, but looking at, at the bracket, I'm, the major bracket I'm in, I cannot beat Trey Patterson, the co-host of this fine program, since we have the exact same Final Four. And it's crazy, but, but that's the way it's going to go. Trey Patterson, uh, I, I mean, I can't beat him, and it's, it sucks right now. But, I, you know, in the years past, I picked upsets, and they, they've worked out, and I've studied basketball. It works out this year. The upsets I picked, I just haven't gotten lucky with them. So, you know, I, I, my bracket's not terrible. You know, it, there, there's a lot, lot many, there's a many more worse brackets than mine out there. But just looking at it, I think I've done okay. As long as it's the Sweet 16 times, I can get a lot of teams in, and my lead eight stays alive. Because when you're doing a bracket, you, it's, it's just you have to, you have to go with those teams that you know is going to be there at the end, or that you feel confident. Nobody knows for sure, but. When I look at Kentucky, Wisconsin, Arizona, Duke, those are the teams that I feel comfortable knowing what they have. But it's these little teams, the ones that you don't study, that they can come in there and get you for a couple of rounds, and and they can do it. So you have to really know what you're what you're looking at throughout an entire tournament. But if you get your final four right, if you get the championship right, you're probably going to have a good bracket. But Trey has tricked me. I don't know how he got my final four, but here we are with the same Final Four. That's not what I like to see. And if you'd like to, uh, if you're in and you want to talk, press number one. We'll get you in. Blog Talk Radio doesn't tell you to press number one anymore. But hit number one and I'll get you in there. I think we have a Skype caller on the line right now. I'm going to bring him on. I'm trying to get the air conditioner in my studio adjusted right now. I'm hot. Welcome to Way In Sports. Who's this? It's Sonny Clark, the... Hardest working man in sports radio. How you doing there, Tarvin? What's going on, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. I got my Elite Eight still alive, too. But Wisconsin goes down, I might be in trouble. So, yeah, that's... I got the Wisconsin National Championship. How about that? And and you're a smart man. I've I've gone one bracket I do have Wisconsin, believe it or not. Uh, but Kentucky, to me, is the complete team. But if there's there's a, it could give Kentucky Whoops. some problems. Wisconsin, Arizona, and Duke, those three teams right there, I think, are going to have something to say about who wins that national championship. 
Yeah, and we were talking. I think we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Michigan State being that tournament team. Uh-huh. Guess what? <laughs> they just turned around and did the same damn thing. I got Michigan State going to the Elite Eight um, and losing to Louisville. So, I uh, did too. I, How did you have yeah. Louisville in the Final Four, son? I have Louisville and Duke, Wisconsin, and Kentucky. For my final no, four. Will you repeat that again for me? I'm sorry. In my final four, I have Louisville, Duke, Wisconsin, and <laughs> Kentucky. Those are my final four, Sonny. <laughs> and I have Duke and Wisconsin meeting in the championship with Wisconsin beating them. I have I have Kentucky and Duke in the championship with Kentucky beating them. But, I mean, the Michigan State, let's start with them, Sonny. We, since you and I have discussed that, and I wanted to put Virginia ahead of them, but I, after I watched Michigan State in that Big Ten championship game, they got robbed. They should have beaten Wisconsin. But what right. is it about Tom Izzo and that team that allows them in March to just play out of this world? I mean, you I look know at the exactly body of work at Michigan is. State. They're an average I, team until March. Yes, and that's the reason being is, is that coach finds out – I don't think he worries about the regular season. I really don't. I think he, you know, he's okay with dropping whatever he has to drop, you know, in in the season. But when he gets to tournament time, he knows the best chemistry of the team because he's had that time and putting together and evaluating the losses compared to the wins and what works better in the, you know moving into playing the bigger teams. I mean, look at you got 64 teams going into the silly thing. Okay, so that being said. You you you've got to have your best basketball players on the court at the right time, and I think what he does is he evaluates who plays best against what kind of team, and he finds out what players need to be on the court in order for him to be successful, and that's the reason why he's successful in the tournament. So that's that's why I got Michigan State where I got it. I'd love to be able to see, you know, to to have them, you know, win and get past where I got them set. I would. Um, but I just, you know, Louisville, I think, is, you know, they're that tradition. They're that powerhouse. And, and they, they played well this year up into the last, you know, month and a half as well. So it, it was just really a flip of the coin in reality. I, I see Michigan State sometimes dropping as they move into that Elite Eight. And, that's, and Louisville has got – you know, a lot of success in the final fours and, you know, getting to the final fours and stuff. So, you know, it's experience. And those are two of the best coaches right there, man, you know, in Louisville and uh, Michigan State. Well, you look at Tom Izzo's record in the second round of a tournament with one-day preparation, it's like 15-1. and I mean, you cannot cannot ask for a coach to to be any better than that. that. Look what what happened last last year to Duke. Yeah, but now you give Tom Izzo a week now to be able yep. to look at the team he's going to play, put a game plan out there. And who are they going to be playing again? Uh, Oklahoma, I believe. They're going to be playing Oklahoma with yep. a chance to go to the Elite Eight. And if you tell me Oklahoma is going to beat Michigan State, I'm going to laugh at you right now. Because this, no. this Michigan State team is getting more confident, more confident. Magic Johnson's doing the pregame for him, Sonny. I don't know if you knew that or not. Magic yeah. Johnson and Nick Barton himself came in there and fired him up. I mean, what what better speaker could you get to come in before a game? 
Yeah, adversity, and then, you know, just with his experience within the NBA and, and his success at Michigan State, uh, you know, big time, it, it is. It's a big-time situation, but I don't know how I did it, but I got Gonzaga, and the one I'm worried about is UCLA and Gonzaga. I got that set up. I didn't have UCLA. I picked SMU to go to take and take on Gonzaga. I'm almost afraid in that pick. UCLA taking on Gonzaga, even though UCLA's ranked the number four or number eleven team. Um, I, I'm almost afraid for uh, afraid for that game. Yeah, UCLA, the team that got in this tournament, didn't deserve it, but they they got the questionable call and they played an SMU team and beat them, and they beat a UAB team, a fourteen seed. So all these people out there. Talking about UCLA, please shut your mouth right now. These, <laughs> these these guys should not be in the tournament. And and Sonny, I'm I'm sorry, they're not gonna they're gonna run into a buzzsaw when they end up uh, playing like Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga's right. up 14 right now, and that's who they're gonna play. There's no way UCLA is gonna beat Gonzaga. And if well, they did, they're getting no the hell out of Iowa be. right now, fifty-four to thirty-seven. I mean, and they're and they're primed to take that a little bit higher. I haven't refreshed my page, but uh, you know, for about five minutes. But um, they're they're primed to take that game. Yeah, and and the Duke Blue Devils, Sonny. I know we both have them in the Final Four. They opened up against Robert Morris, beat them by about thirty. And then today, I don't know if you watched Duke play. They look like a very solid team that the big man's playing good. They have great guard play, good coaching. I mean, Duke is a team right now that can go on a serious run. And when you look at their bracket, really, it's not that tough. No, no. And and here's another thing. Duke, the way they exited last year, they've taken some serious offense about that. And that's shown. That's shown in the first game and uh, in the second game. Um, as they as they move past, uh, you know, some team I never even heard. Robert Morris, I've heard of him, but no one cares. But San Diego State usually puts together a good basketball squad, you know, and, and they they pounded them. I mean, they really pounded them. I, you know, that's why I have Duke in the Final Four. If Duke did, you know, if Duke didn't get outsed in the first round, I might not have Duke where I have them right now. Um, you know, it's because last year it left a bad taste in Coach K's mouth. I'm telling you, and I, I that's why I got him going up against Wisconsin um, in the championship game. In reality, um, that's going to be a good game. I just picked uh, Wisconsin for it to be something different because it's usually the way it is when it moves into that top four. It's not very often you've got a bunch of number ones going on, but Wisconsin with the way that they have played and getting the number one ranking, first of all, that was shocking to me. I thought maybe they would be two or three um, going into this tournament, and then they're sitting at number one. Well, Sonny, if you remember last Sunday night, I don't know if you got to listen to the archive, but I was preaching about how in the world Villanova got a number one seed. They didn't deserve it, two at the highest. I really didn't even think they were a top two seed. They get bounced last night by NC State, the eighth seed. Who? And well, Villanova. Yeah, no, NC State. Who? I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I, I was, you know, preaching about that. You'd think the committee, with all those supposed expert minds in there, could could actually have some common sense about them and not put Kansas a two seed. They didn't do anything to deserve a two seed and Villanova a one seed. Guess what? Both have been bounced in the second round of the tournament. Kansas losing 
78-65 to 65 to Wichita State. That's a bitter rival. Kansas would not schedule them for 20 years. And now look at them, Sonny. They're forced to play in a tournament. Wichita State, the little brother, slaps the butt of Kansas. And, I mean, I, I just – all these people predicting Kansas to go real far, shame on you, man. They're not a good team, Sonny. Uh, no, I don't think they are. I predicted them just to get, uh, you know, to the next level and then Notre Dame whipping them. Um, and because Notre Dame, man, Notre Dame can surprise a lot of teams. I'm actually kind of worried about that's, you know, it wouldn't surprise me as Kentucky is moving through this. They're, they're going to, Maryland's always a fight for them. Okay, and if Maryland uh, gets past West Virginia, um, I think that will be a really good matchup for Kentucky. And then they got to turn around and play Notre Dame, uh, and that's of course if Notre Dame gets past Wichita State, which I think everybody thinks will happen. This is not—I don't think this is a good part of the bracket for Kentucky uh, for teams that can show up and you know just uh-huh. you know surprise them. And as far as that's concerned, and if they don't get surprised until they get Wisconsin, I think. Wisconsin was one of the teams that were not talked about going into this um, as serious contenders. Obviously, they got the number one seeds, but no one, I don't think anybody really expected Wisconsin to be where they were um, even to this point because they have a, they have a, they have a habit of getting their asses, you know, handed to them, you know, in these kind of, uh, in these kind of games. So we'll see how it happens. Well, I'm not, I look at Kentucky's bracket. I'm sorry. Notre Dame, I mean, they had to go in overtime to beat Butler, and Butler's not the Butler of old, the one that no. made two straight Butler's championships. Butler's Butler three to four years ago, and Butler was much better at uh, that time. Notre Dame, to me, they're not a team that's going to beat Kentucky. They may play them within eight points in the first half. And then what happens with Kentucky, the depth starts taking over and that athleticism. Notre Dame's a bunch of good, smart guys, but they're not going to beat Kentucky. I would be shocked if, if they even beat Wichita State, to be honest with you. Well, you want to know what it is. When you take a look at what Kentucky's got going on, this is about really the program, if you think about it. I mean, because you've got guys that go there for one and done and move on to the NBA. And I'll tell you, that coach has figured out how to get the best out of players um, as freshmen and just getting the best teams. I mean, so when they meet experienced teams, um, you know, the, the fact that these guys know they're one and done, they play their hearts out, and the reason why they play their hearts out is all about position going into the NBA draft. And I think, you, you, I mean, what, for the last three years, you know, Kentucky's had, you know, guys go out in the first round, you know, getting picked. They know what they know what it's all about. And I think that coach realizes the max I'm going to have great players is going to be two years. And if I keep two, uh, players that are three or four, you know, for the whole time that we're here, they're going to be role players and they're never amount to anything in the NBA. Well, Sonny, one thing I want to bring up tonight, and and I I really want to get in detail about this, and I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, I'm hoping, but I'm hearing a lot of media just bashing college basketball, saying how boring it is, it's not like the NBA, and what they need to do to change it, they need a lot more scoring. Why is everybody in every sport, and they're worried about how many points are being scored? Do you really care? I mean, if a game's 60 to 58, does that bother you, Sonny? Instead, do you want it to be 120 to 119? Which one do you prefer? Well, I, I'll tell you what I prefer. I I prefer the fight. I prefer the tournament. Okay, and I'll tell you the reason why. 
Okay, doesn't matter if they score high, doesn't matter if they score low. The two biggest betting days, you know, in uh, Las Vegas are the Super Bowl and the first day of the tournament. Those are the two biggest days in Las Vegas, okay? So, you know, if you want to say people don't like it, they're crazy. That's someone trying to write an article to get someone to take a look at what they're writing. That's not based upon fact because all you got to do is look at the odds makers and Vegas are making out like a bandit. Now, granted, the Super Bowl itself, you know, takes all the bets for the whole tournament and still wipes them out. But the second <laughs> biggest day, I mean, I mean, come on. If Vegas is taking bets and make, taking big-time big, big time bets like they do, you know, some, someone likes them. And I don't base it on what, you know, Mike and Michael say or what, what someone else will say. I'll base it up on fact, and fact comes out of Vegas. And the fact is, is that Vegas says – that the tournament is the second biggest betting time in the year. So that enough right there tells me that whoever writes an article that says that it's not don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, but seriously, would you rather watch this tournament, Sonny, or would you rather watch round one of the Eastern Conference playoffs with the Hawks playing the shitty Pistons? I mean, I mean, really, do you really think – see, the, the thing about college basketball, you're one and done. You don't need seven-game right. series to determine who's better. You have to be yep. good that day. And I don't care if the if the shooting's not as good. We all know that, that a lot of these great players go to the NBA after a year or two. And, and okay, you're, Colin Coward was blasting. I'm talking about blasting Virginia because they're boring. Get them off his screen. Like, he's never played a game of basketball in his life. This guy, right. <laughs> he just gets on my nerves the way he's sitting there ripping apart people and ripping apart baseball because the games are too long. I mean, what, what do you want, a, an hour game? I mean, it, it's just, it is what it is. As long as it gets entertaining, you know, things can happen. I mean, I saw a lot of college football's going up in time, Sonny. College football is right. getting close to four hours, but the ratings are higher than ever. Why is it? Uh, and the ratings are high as ever because of what they have done, and especially this year. I mean, imagine what happens, Tarvin, if the NCAA gets smart to make this a final eight in college football. Imagine the 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 fact that they'll be watching with more intense. It it, it becomes more regional or uh, less regional and more uh, you know more national when you have a top eight. When you only have a top five, when you only have a top four, and the goes guys that are on the outside looking in, those bowls only get regional action. You put those top eights up, the the, the viewership is going to go through the roof. Well, hold it right there, Sonny. The co-host, Trey Patterson. And, and let me tell you what Trey did, Sonny. Trey picked NC State to beat Villanova in his bracket. Trey's probably going to win this bracket, honestly. Like I said, I have no shot. Trey, welcome to the show, man. How's everything going? What's up, man? Uh, going pretty well. Oklahoma was a big win for me in my bracket as well. As I have Oklahoma in the Elite Eight. Uh, I kind of wish I had a pitch from pitch my boys in Michigan State. But, hey, man. I'm pretty happy with that NC State win, that's for sure. Well, I'm going to delete your bracket, Trey, because I can't win. <laughs> so no matter what what place I finish, it just doesn't matter. Because I look at – you know what's funny, Trey? You, me, and Sonny, we have the same Final Four. I mean, that's it's kind of hard to believe that all three of us put Louisville in there. And Louisville's going to be tested tonight against Northern Iowa. Are you surprised that, that Louisville's a three-point underdog tonight? 
I mean, I think I think Louisville um, is not. I think a lot of people think they're the team they were last year. I, I didn't put them in the Final Four because of that. I put them in the Final Four because I had the first two seeds uh, losing in this bracket, and I thought it was mm-hmm. wide, wide open. Now that Rick Pitino is a guy who's been there, I watched Michigan State all year long. I'm a, you know, you know, I went to Michigan State, so. Uh, I kind of didn't want to be a homer and pick them. I thought Oklahoma looked pretty good this year. They've been up and down, and so I kind of just went with Oklahoma over Michigan State. And then, you know, I just thought Louisville was just one of those teams that have have it this year, uh, you know, because the bracket just opened up. Not necessarily because they're as strong as they were last year, because they're not. Uh, I just think the bracket's wide open. I, I think, I mean, this is it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of this. It could be Louisville. It could be Northern Iowa. Who knows? Sonny, I'm with Trey on, on the reason he picked Louisville, and it was because I didn't have faith in the, the top two seeds in that. Is that why you picked Louisville? I didn't. Well, I picked Louisville because I think, you know, first of all, their ranking, uh, sitting at number four, I think was a big mistake. I thought they at least deserved number two, if not, you know, number three. Um, that First of all, that's number one. Um, I, and plus, here's another thing. You know, they were sitting in a bracket where if they won, they were going to play Northern Iowa or Wyoming. Okay? Come on. They, no uh, Louisville sometimes can play bad, but they won't play that bad. So the worst thing that they could come out is play Villanova, and I think they could beat Villanova. I think they're a better team than Villanova. Um, But they get NC State, so now it's even more easier for them to make their way Uh and quite possibly get past Michigan State, which is who I got them getting past, um, and moving to the Final Four. Well, Trey, I'm about to bring Cuervo on, too. I believe he's on hold, but... I want to ask you this question, and I asked Sonny about all the media is bashing college basketball. It just seems like everybody's talking about the game's boring, it's slow, it needs to be more like the NBA. I mean, what do you say to those people, or do you do you agree with them? I mean, I know some things can be tweaked in college basketball, maybe the shot clock, but does this kind of basketball bore you? I'm, I'm actually excited by watching this kind of basketball. The only thing that bores me about college basketball, and I'm the shot clock would be interesting. I'm not opposed to that. What I what I really don't like is the timeout, to be honest. When you get towards the end of the game, and it goes towards TV timeouts and coaches' timeouts. I mean, I was watching a game earlier today. Each side had – one side had four timeouts, the other one had three, and the final two minutes it lasted about 45 minutes because – just, I mean, every single possession, the coaches were able to call a timeout, which is which is great for the academic portion of the game. You know, you have guys calling X's and O's. You know, in one play near the end of the game, I saw three straight timeouts. It was almost driving me crazy <laughs> uh, because, you know, when the coach saw the other guy was running, the other guy called timeout because now they changed it. The other guy called timeout, now they saw it. I mean, uh, so I think that could be tweaked a little bit. Um, but other than that, Tarvin, the pace of the game doesn't, I'm not so worried about it being like the NBA. Uh, I think the timeout and the shot clock are great little tweaks, but, I mean, I I don't see it being a wholesale change. Uh, The tournament isn't in itself creates an enormous amount of excitement. Yeah, and if I'm I'm looking at changes and I'm talking about the let's let's get the shot clock down to a reasonable time, let's let's make the lane just a little bit bigger, and let's move the three-point line out a little bit. But But I'm with you, Trey. These timeouts, you get a timeout every four minutes. It's just, if, if you talk about teams trying to get in a rhythm, could you argue, Trey, that maybe all these timeouts prevent, you, you can't play more than four minutes 
and getting the rhythm because there's a damn TV timeout. I mean, could that be a cause of yeah. the scoring being down? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that, like I said, every time somebody goes on a run, the coaches have so many timeouts to burn that, you know, if somebody goes on an 8-0 run, we'll call a timeout. You have 13 of them left. I don't even know how, I mean, you just, the timeouts are ridiculous. <laughs> that, that, that's ridiculous to me. Uh, and by, by the way, Tarvin, I, I am sort of regretting the fact that I did not have Gonzaga going further. Man, they are destroying Iowa right now. That's a good basketball team. I think everybody looks at Gonzaga and they look at them like if they're a, a eight seed or a ten seed, they're going to pick them. Well, they're not a Cinderella anymore. This is a coach that has built a, a good program there, at Gonzaga, and it's taken them a long time to get there, but but they're here to stay. And while you're here, let me bring on Cuervo. He's been on hold for a minute. If my studio will work right, let me get Cuervo on. Welcome to the show, Cuervo. How's everything going? I'm good, guys. Good evening to you. How are you? Cuervo, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, Sonny. Good to hear your voice again. Yeah, I'm fighting the cold, but I'm here. <laughs> well, Cuervo, man, I mean, tell us, you, I mean, you're, you're listening to the thoughts. You probably heard Trey's explanation of, of basketball, but is it to you, is it is it boring? I know you've listened to Colin Coward. He has bashed teams like Virginia and and the coaches, because they want to play defense. I mean, I like defense in basketball. As a player, as a coach, as an official, I love some good defense. I don't like watching 120 to 115 games with no defense in them. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, your 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 casual fan likes the offense, but I, you know, I'm I'm whether it's a high scoring game or a low scoring game, I'm all about quality, man. Like if it's a good defensive game, then I'm all about it. If it's a good offensive game, I'm all about it. It's just got to be good quality basketball. It can't be sloppy. It can't be, you know, guys tripping over the ball and, and, you know, and and making bad passes or uh, shooting air balls or anything like that. It just, if it's going to be a low scoring game, it's going to be because you have two teams playing each other that play great defense. You know, like like Rick Pitino with his Louisville teams, and and Kentucky with with John Calipari, or you know, uh, you know Wisconsin, or you know those teams that actually know how to play defense, not you know because guys don't know how to play fundamentals. So I, I personally don't care if it's a high or low scoring game either. I just want it to be good quality basketball either way. Well, let me bounce this to Trey since I asked Sonny, and then I'll come to Cuervo. Uh, Trey, looking at Tom Izzo, the, one of the best coaches of all time, what is it about this guy? You went to school there. You've been to some games. What is it about him in March? How does he get his team to play at this level just about every year? Well, if you look at what he does at a conference, uh, and it's kind of the opposite of what some other big coaches have done. Is He goes out and plays big teams. They play in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. He gets his teams to play top competition, and a lot of times Tarvin will lose these games earlier on. Uh, you'll see 10 lost Michigan State teams make a huge run in the tournament because his teams are built for the tournament. He, he, he builds his teams throughout the season with a mindset of playing really good teams and playing uh, you know, in a, on tight schedules, playing you know, a Big Ten tournament followed by the NCAA tournament, knowing what that takes for conditioning. Uh, he he knows that, and he he builds the entire team his entire season towards that. Uh, so a lot of times, I, I think you'll see them lose a couple of games in the regular season, whether it's resting a player 
who's a little bit banged up or because they've scheduled, you know, a bunch of top ten teams uh, at a conference. Uh, you know, not just the big names. They'll schedule the Northern Iowas and those people in the world who are pretty darn good uh, just to get an idea for the tournament and different styles as well. So I mean, he's the kind of basketball mind uh, that thinks three steps ahead, and he's already thinking about the tournament day one. Well, Cuervo, I'm going to go to you, and, and you can share what you think about Izzo, but his record with the one day in between to prepare is like 14-1, and 15-1, something like this. If they can get past Oklahoma with a week to prepare, all of a sudden with one day off, Tom Izzo a chance again to show how great of a coach and a team he has, they're going to end up in the Final Four. And it's very, very possible, especially if they get past Oklahoma. Cuervo, that's to you. Well, Sonny, I'll kick that to you, man. Yeah, he's a I'll kick that to you. What do you you think about if they do beat Oklahoma with one day to prepare for either Louisville, Northern Iowa, NC State, someone like that, don't you have to favor Tom Izzo in this? Yeah, you you go back to Patino, though. You know, you got got Louisville and and you got Patino there. So you got – and – it's not that I don't think Tom Izzo is, is good. It's just Patino and what he's done. I, that That's what I look at. That's how I went ahead and take, took the pick. But Michigan State being in the Final Four wouldn't surprise me. Not at all. No, and I would, I would actually – and tell me, let's talk a little bit about Patino and, and Trey, Petrino, Petrino and Izzo. I mean, I could sit here and argue that Izzo is a better coach than – than uh, Patino. What could could you argue that? Oh yeah, I, th- I think uh, they're both really good coaches. Let's be honest. But I think you know Tom Izzo, what he does, I mean, is just incredible. I mean, he's had teams where he's, I mean, he's produced like a single player, uh, and he's able to keep them. What's crazy is he, he keeps NBA talent four years, three years. That's another thing that I think is crazy is, is Michigan State seems to always have very talented seniors in this day and age. So Izzo uh, is a very good guy, not only keeping his players, and very good players. I mean, think of Draymond Green, who's a very, very, very good uh, basketball player right now in the NBA, and he kept him around for more than a year. I mean, so, and you, you'll see, uh, you know, what Kentucky's kind of doing that with Colley Stein this year. He's a junior. It's keeping a guy like that on your team that really makes a difference. Uh, who can say, "Hey, man, this is this is how the tournament goes in the locker room." That's another thing Izzo does very well. Well, well, Sonny, after, after looking at your bracket right now, is there any of your Final Four would you change them right now after watching the tournament up to this point? Who would you change if you were going to change someone? Oh, uh, I I don't think I'd change any of them. Um, the only one that I think, you know, there's two games that kind of scare me, but I still think Wisconsin's going to get past um, Arizona. Arizona always scares me, especially tournament time. Um, and, uh, you know, Gonzaga, you know, Gonzaga could put, you know, the knife in the side, you know, in the final four uh, to Duke, but <laughs> I, I think they still get past. Those are the really the only ones that I'm worried about. Yeah, and I'm not even worried about, you know, I – I have Kentucky in the Final Four, um, but I'm not. I think they lose. I, you know, it, I'll tell you right now. If they go and they run the table the whole year and then win the national championship, I mean, if anybody doesn't want to say they're one of the best teams to ever play 
you know, as a team, you know, in the year, um, I'll tell them that they're just not paying attention. Well, Trey, you're an ACC guy. The ACC has done very, very well in this tournament. What are they like? Ten and one. Is that the yeah, record? Yeah, the ACC? nine or nine or nine and one or ten and one. Yeah. Well, looking at that, I've heard some people talk about Kentucky, and they said if had Kentucky played in a better conference, so let's put them in the ACC a minute. Let's put Kentucky in the ACC. What kind of record do you think they would have? I think they have a loss or two for sure. I mean, having to go to places like North Carolina, Duke, yep. Louisville, you know, even Syracuse, you know, which is tough even though they're not in the tournament this year. Uh, there's places at home that are very, very tough in the ACC, and it's just a brutal schedule overall, kind of like the SEC in football. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Kentucky wouldn't be the number one overseed. seed. I think they still mm-hmm. would be Tarpon, um, but they would have probably a loss or two. I mean, I, I think the one is probably I, I would – I'd be very comfortable betting. I think two would be a safe number uh, if you're over, under type of numbers. Uh, three, I think, and above would be a little bit um, overvalued in losses. But I think I could see them losing at Cameron and Door. I could see them losing in North Carolina uh, on the road, uh, especially if they were coming off another one of those games, like if they had traveled to Syracuse, you know, in the next games in Cameron and Door. You could see them losing that game. But, uh, I mean, I, that doesn't mean they're not the number one of our seed. I mean, the SEC clearly is down. <laughs> It's not a very great basketball conference right now, but Kentucky is the cream of the crop. And, and, and Trey, Kentucky right now, the reason I have them going all the way, and, and I don't think they're the greatest team of all time by no means, but the depth of this team, the way they're able to to play the hot hands, whoever's hot out of the ten is going to be on the court. No one player is, is responsible. You, you don't have to worry about foul trouble, really. But when I look at Kentucky and I look at this bracket, Maryland, West Virginia, I think not a problem for Kentucky. And then Notre Dame or Wichita State, I think Kentucky is a shoe-in for the Final Four. Am I being a little overzealous with that? I just don't see any team in this side that could touch them until the Final Four. Well, no, and I mean, to be honest, Kansas losing helps Kentucky quite a bit because Kansas, I mean, at least matched up decent with Kentucky. Now, we saw that earlier in the year play out very well for Kentucky. But my point is Kansas was a very decent game for Kentucky to play. Uh, bracket wide open now and for Kentucky. Uh, I mean, anything can happen, Tarvin, but they're as close to a shoe-in right now for the Final Four as you can get. I would, I, I, I'll tell you, Kentucky, I, I, I'm going to say if they were in the South, they, they might not even make it to the Elite Eight. I I I just you know I, how they got put in the the soft bracket. I mean they're supposed to be the best team in the country and all that great stuff. But man, that is probably the softest bracket out of them all. I, I look at it. I would love to see them play in the South and let's see if they could get past Duke. Let's see if they could get past Gonzaga. Let's see if they can get past you know uh, you know the the guys that go out there. I think that would have been the better place for them anyway. I. I, I since when is Kentucky in the Midwest? They they are. I mean, that's that's the way they're located. But Sonny, I mean, Duke's bracket is terrible. I mean, Gonzaga is a two seed, and that's the best team in there. You look over at Kentucky's side, you have Maryland, West Virginia, Butler, Texas, Notre Dame, Wichita State, Indiana, Kansas. To me, that was a tougher – and Trey, what do you think? I think that's tougher than the South, but plus you have to reward Kentucky a little bit for being the number one overall seed, where Duke was lucky to get a number one seed. 
Well, I think Duke was a solid one, but I, I disagree. I think the South is a tougher a tougher bracket. But Kentucky should have the easier road. I mean, that's the best thing about being the number one overall seed. And it's not just about teams necessarily, Tarvin. It's about location as well. Look at look at the location Kentucky's played at. It's basically been a bunch of home games. I mean, so that's very favorable for Kentucky. You're looking at a, a possible West Virginia-Maryland matchup. That doesn't, that doesn't bode well for those two teams. They just don't match up size-wise at all. Uh, and think about it. The three seed in this, in this bracket, Tarvin, is Notre Dame, a very undersized team. So your three is a very weak three. And as we saw, Kansas was a very, very weak two. Mm-hmm. The Gonzaga team is a strong two. I mean, these guys are big. Well, so you, so you outvoted me, both of you did. That's fine. And Sonny, the South being in Houston, I think that's why they're in the Midwest. Uh, Cleveland is, is closer to Kentucky than than Houston is. But, but, but Sonny, I'm looking at this brackets, and Duke, Arizona, Wisconsin, those are the only three teams that I think could beat Kentucky. And that's why I said when they get to the Final Four, those, those are going to be dogfight games because they're going to be playing Wisconsin or Arizona. And then if they win that, they're going to probably have to play Duke. I mean, that's it's going to be tough for Kentucky once they hit that Final Four in Indianapolis. And they better stay healthy, too. I think if they lose one of them, they could be in a lot of trouble, too. So health has a lot to do with what they are be able to do here as far as getting to the Final Four and uh, producing in the Final Four. So I think health has a big thing to do with it. So if they lose one of those guys that they want to go ahead and move in, um, that normally they got someone to replace them, but the, the coach has got to set on what is going on and who is going to play. And I, I just, you know, health has probably got to be their only concern in reality until they get to the Final Four in reality. Yeah, but 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 when I first looked at that bracket, guys, and and I don't know why I thought this. I thought Duke had the. Duke and the other bracket, the actual one Villanova in Trey seemed weaker to me. I mean, Villanova is a one seed, and you look through it, the number two seed's gone now. I mean, to me, that was the weakest bracket. Why, why do y'all think Kentucky's bracket is so weak? Well, I mean, just from the Kansas being the two, I mean, no doubt about it. Virginia was a two, was a weak two as well. I think both Virginia could have been a three, but I looked at. You know, Oklahoma's a three target, and I think that's a very high seed uh, for Villanova. I mean, maybe maybe it's a, maybe it's a good seed. I, I don't know, but Villanova. I mean, come on, uh, you and I both agree. When we saw the bracket, they were, they were the clear number two. That what the committee said. They were the number two seed. So, and this was supposed to be the second easiest bracket. Uh, I think it, I think it was obviously, but I mean, it's hard to discount the fact that Villanova was a one, and so. You, for me, I instantly thought, well, okay, the one's going to lose before the Sweet 16. I looked at Virginia and I thought, well, this is a team that's not made to the tournament. This is the opposite of what we talk about with um, with Izzo. I mean, this is a team bent on low scoring in defense, and in the tournament, players get hot. Uh, shooters get hot. And a team like Virginia wasn't going to be able to maintain yep. that over a week-long period because they don't have scores. So they're, they just can't they can't keep up that defense for a week long. You just can't. It's you exert too much energy. So Virginia was out. So looking at that, I mean, then this bracket becomes wide open. And it looks weak, sure. Uh, I'll buy you that, Tarvin. But I mean, Villanova was going to get a was going to get a one seed because they were what thirty and two and the number two team two team in the country. I mean, yeah, they didn't play a lot of hard teams this year, but they were going to get a one. You know, whether it was deserved or not. 
Well, Sonny, Sonny, what do you think about the North Carolina Tar Heels? And, and the reason I'm asking you this, a lot of people starting to jump on the bandwagon a little bit, but I saw the reaction of their coach at, after the game last night, acting like he just won the championship. They beat an average Arkansas team. I mean, is, is North Carolina a team that you have to watch out for, or is the Sweet 16 as far as they go? I. I, this is that emotion game. Remember, they just lost their, their head coach. I mean, Dean Smith, you can say whatever you want about him. That guy drums up emotion. And I and I think that emotion is probably one of the reasons why you've seen that. And that's the I, – I, me personally, I think that's the only thing that drives them into, into this tournament in reality because I don't think they match up very well with any you – know, too many of these teams that they're going to have to continue with. So um, if they get the win, it's got to be about emotion. It's got to be about Dean Smith. Yeah, trade, North Carolina, you're familiar with these guys. I mean, are they capable of, of making a Final Four run? I mean, this is a talented team. Uh, they've they've been under sort of valued uh, this year because of some, some key losses. They're a team that seems to get hurt a lot this time of year. I mean, under um, you know, the last five years or so. I mean, I, I don't think they have a Final Four, and I'm going to be honest right now. Don't they don't have the key from your – uh, they don't have that key score that, you know, when you saw like Kimball Walker and UConn come out of nowhere, you thought, wow, Kimball Walker, man, who's this guy? This guy's amazing. Uh, you know, you, when you saw like some of the guys also the Kentucky run, Jeff Teague, you know, I mean, Brandon Knight, and there were some guard play that you instantly uh, could key off on. North Carolina's got some quality players and the quality guard, uh, but I don't know, man, I, I just don't see the guard play being good enough to get past um to be honest, the Kentucky's of the world. Me neither. But anything y'all want to talk about in college basketball before we move on? Sonny, anything you no, want to throw I'm, in? No, I'm I'm set. All right. Well, let's move over to the NFL real quick. And I know everybody loves the NFL. No matter what month it is, we're getting close to the draft. Sonny, I mean, I, I heard a rumor, and maybe it's not a rumor, that Adrian Peterson – his agent's not even talking to Minnesota right now. So where what's going on with Adrian Peterson's story? Where is he going to end I, up? I, you know, there might be a reason why he's not talking to Minnesota. There might be a reason why he's not talking to anybody. I mean, you think about it. Okay, I, I you know, they say they're not talking to Minnesota. Um, but who are, who are they talking to? Now, I don't know the story, so I haven't been watching it or anything. But one thing I do know is is that people are as great as Adrian Peterson. Okay, I'm going to say this. As great as other people think Adrian Peterson really is, um, they're still they're being shy about it. Listen, I'm not an Adrian Peterson fan as far as what he does on the football field. Never mind the off-the-field problems. Um, that being said, a lot of people are seeing the situation off the field and then watching Adrian Peterson and how he's performed over the last two years. Now, look what he did coming off an of injury. Hey, it's all wonderful. It's all good. But when the guy's completely healthy, and one of the things that I've noticed, he's a streaky running back, okay? You don't see him have nine games in a row where he runs 100 yards or more and three touchdowns. You don't see that. You see spurts. You'll see him hit 200 for one game and then drop down to 
40 to 45. And coaches don't like to see that kind of thing in a running back and then add up on the fact that he's aging. So he's got a combination of that to deal with. He's got a combination with the, what's going on off the field, even though everybody seems to be uh, you know, okay with Adrian Peterson. That's still a stigma. That's, a, that's something that you do. Some Hey, if they don't want a God guy in your locker room, who wants a child beater? Okay, so it's kind of one of those hard things. I know that's harsh to say, um, but <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that's what people are looking at it as. So, you know, I, I think people are really kind of keeping hands away, and I think you could go to Adrian Peterson right up into uh, training camp before he's actually even picked up, if he's even picked up. Trey, is, is Adrian Peterson really even a story? I mean, after what happened, like Sonny said, the child beater and everything, Ray Rice, the wife beater, we don't hear from him. Are, are we making a little bit too much out of AP where he's going to end up going? Well, I mean, recall he's still under contract with Minnesota, so um, he's not going anywhere unless Minnesota wants to move him. I don't, I don't think they're going to release him. So I think, you know, if Minnesota – um, they have the option to just say, hey, you know, you're going to play or, or you're not going to play. If you don't play, we'll suspend you uh, and we'll not pay you because at that point they can just not pay him, so they're still saving all that money. So, I mean, the whole the rumors to Dallas, Dallas has no cap for him to take on Adrian Peterson's contract. Um, I don't know any other teams right now that are even sort of looking at AP, Tarvin. So uh, I think the majority, if I had to bet, I'd bet on him being back in Minnesota uh, and he may hold out. He may do a lot of things like that, Tarvin. But I mean, Minnesota has the contract. They have the, all the cards. And if he wants to recover his image and recover his abilities to get another contract, he has to play this year. Cuervo, I know you're back with us. Welcome back. But Adrian Peterson, if you're Minnesota, don't you want to trade him in a way? You have a, a young, possible franchise quarterback in Bridgewater. You did okay without him. Couldn't you use to trade him to get some draft picks and maybe to to beef up that offensive line a little bit to protect your quarterback? I mean, that's the only way you get rid of him, Tarvin. I mean, you have to get something in return for, you know, considerably the best running back in the league. You don't just give him away. Uh, you know, you got to get – I mean, look what, look what Philadelphia did. I mean, even though they gave Shady McCoy away, I mean, at least they got something in return. I mean – it's not like they released him and, you know, like DeMarco Murray in Dallas where they just kind of let him walk and Dallas got nothing in return. So you got to get something back. Um, you know, the, the the Vikings trying to say that they're not going to release him. I, I, and you know what? I applaud them for that. Good for them. Uh, however, holding him hostage, I don't think it's the right answer either because, you know, I mean, if the guy doesn't want to play for you, what makes you think that he's going to put on your uniform and actually go out there and, and exactly. perform to to the standard that you that you know he can perform to and that he will perform to. It's not going to happen. So that's you know, why and I it's think you have to get something for him, Cuervo. That's why you have to yeah, get something for him because he's, he's valuable to a lot of people out there. Yeah, you have to, and and, and it sucks. And Sonny and I talk about this all the time, but it sucks that you have to play into uh, the favor of the player. Uh, because it shouldn't be that way. However, that's that, that's the way the business goes in today's NFL. It, it's all about making the player happy and well, not happy, but you know, it, it's kind of like they hold they hold the the franchises, um, 
you know, with their hands tied behind their back. They don't have a they don't have a choice but to play by their rules. Listen, there are two teams out there that are supposedly going after him. One's my Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, we could always use anybody, but the problem is it's Jacksonville. But the other team that has been rumored that we're going after Adrian Peterson is the Arizona Cardinals. Now, here's one thing about that whole situation. I'm not worried about the the Arizona Cardinals at the running back position. They got more worries, especially defensively as they're – everybody's flying the coop after Todd Bowles rolls out of there, okay? And then they don't have a quarterback. I mean, if you have Adrian Peterson, you know, and you're the Cardinals and you got the crappy quarterback that you're about ready to walk out on the field, all they're going to do is, you know, zero in on Adrian Peterson. It's going to be a waste pick if they don't do anything at the quarterback position. So the Arizona Cardinals got a lot of other problems to deal with besides Adrian Peterson, but I have heard in some of the places that I have read is that Adrian Peterson, that's one of the landing spots for him, and right now there are only three teams that are out there going after him, and that's Jacksonville, Arizona, and their own Minnesota Vikings, and here, here's the thing, this pissing contest between uh, Minnesota and Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson's going to lose, he's under contract, so that right there, he doesn't have any leverage whatsoever, however, Arizona being as dumb as they are, because they do it every single year, they do something dumb, you know, this year they're multiple, letting their Defensive, play, you know, defensive coach go away. They're willing to offer a high draft pick to get Adrian Peterson instead of keeping the high draft pick and figure out what the hell you're going to do at the quarterback position. Well, Trey, I'll, I'll go to Trey on this one. How is how's the year off going to affect Adrian Peterson? Not only physically, but but mentally. After what he went through, knowing how everybody was blasting him in the media. Or, for beating his kid, how is that going to – is he going to be the same running back as he was when he left? Well, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, certainly the year off may actually help him a little bit. I mean, Adrian Peterson's got a lot of carries. Um, but at the same point, you know, he's getting to an age where running backs begin to sort of see the twilight of their career. So that's why I say this is a very important year for Adrian Peterson, more so than any team that might take him because he has to get – uh, you know, sort of one more contract, and the only way you get that one more contract is have a big season this year, and hope that somebody takes a two year, two to three year gamble on you after that. Um, and I, I just don't see it, Tarvin. I don't see him being a top five back anymore. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I just don't see a lot of teams gambling on him right now. I think somebody might take a value flyer on him, but you know, we've seen right now how teams value running backs who are 24 years old, who are number two, number one in the league in rushing. I agree. I mean, they, they trade him for an injured got rookie, basically a linebacker. I mean, so what does that make Adrian Peterson worth? Good point, Trey. That's a great point. And 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 Sonny, are, are the players out there? You know how how men are when they get. You've been in those locker rooms. Will they be trying to maybe possibly get Adrian Peterson and maybe try to hurt him because of of what they thought he? Or, or are they that immature? Because we know NFL players are not the smartest people in the world <laughs> well I, I and i hate to throw this out there but i'm going to just because i try to keep it real okay you gotta understand that most of the players are in are, are okay with what adrian peterson did okay and why is that and, and this is real simple and i hate to bring it up but it's it's true you gotta look at the black players and some of the way that some of these black players were raised and 
They understand what he did, okay? It, it's it's society saying that it wasn't a good thing, but when you get into a locker room, and folks, I've been in many. I've been in more than most people have, okay? And I'm going to tell you right now, what Adrian Peterson did, and let's just be honest, and I'll put it out there, what Ray Rice did don't mean anything to the players. This is more about the image for the franchise more than anything. As far as the players are concerned, they're loving the players are going to love Adrian Peterson, and wherever Ray Rice ends up, they might even they might even throw him a party for that right hook, you know, you know, for what he did to his <laughs> girlfriend. It, it, it's more of a franchise and a business portion more so than the players that would understand the situation better. I'm sorry, it's it, it is a fact, and I I just know that's how it would be in a locker room. Well, let's let's go from one extreme to the other, guys. And there's a here's a player I didn't think we'd be talking about uh, when we talk about the NFL. But Tim Tebow is back in the news, maybe trying to get back in the NFL. And Cuervo, I'll start with you. I mean, is there a team out there, first of all, that would want Tim Tebow? And do you think Tim Tebow could come in and actually perform? Because I'll tell you one team that could have used a Tim Tebow, and that's Arizona in the playoffs this past year. Absolutely. Ah, uh, yes, my favorite player to talk about, Tim Tebow. Um, <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, well, the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles worked him out. I mean, not that that big news for about a day. Um, you know, you ask, could it, a team that could use him? I think he'd be best for the Jaguars, and I and I, and I say the Jaguars because he's a Florida guy. Uh, I don't know if he was. I don't know if he was born and raised there, but that's where he, you know, he went to school near Jacksonville. So uh, anything to, you know, get that fan base excited, um, I think would be a good thing for them. I mean, I know, I know they're moving in the right direction with Bortles and things like that. Um, however, it's, you know, that might get old after a little while because he's your typical traditional pocket passer and, well, that's just not exciting anymore, even though it wins games, but it's just not exciting in today's league. So you got to have something to get people attracted to go to these games. And, well, you know, if, if Tim Tebow is the answer, then um, then you, you consider it. But I think, you know, I don't know. I, I want to ask you guys, what is it about Carson Palmer that nobody really likes? Okay, he he's sucks. not Andrew. He he's sucks. not Andrew Luck. He sucks. He's not Andrew Luck, and we know that. And I'm not saying he, he, you know, he's trying to be Andrew Luck. But you think about this, okay? Let's let's go back to last year before they before he tore his ACL. Were they not what six and one with him? And, and, and don't tell me it was because of the defense. No, look at the numbers. Palmer was getting the job done. Okay, I'll just put it to you that way. I'm not saying he was great. I'm not saying he was an MVP. But he did what he needed to do to get that team, you know, to a 6-1 and one record or whatever it is that they were at. So He's heard all the I don't time. Understand. I don't understand why people uh, are saying that Palmer's not the answer. If he could stay healthy, I think he's going to do good. But that's his downfall. He can't stay healthy. He can't. I think it's that's interesting that you say it that, that way. I really think it's interesting that you say it that way because you, you the, way, way, the way you talk about Carson Palmer is, is the way people should be talking about Tim Tebow. I mean, Tim Tebow has no talent to me. 
Just flip, just flip what you're talking about, what he did while he was in, in the game. You know, look what Tim Tebow did when he was in the games, okay? And you don't want to blame it. You don't want to give the credit to the defense, okay? Same thing with Tim Tebow. They got He got the job done. I, I just find it interesting that, that you kind of worded it that way because I was thinking about Tim Tebow because I think Tim Tebow is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Now, folks, listen to what I'm saying. It's backup quarterback. This guy doesn't start, okay, but I'm telling you, unless you're in Jacksonville, unless you're play, you, you, these horrible franchises, if you need a backup quarterback, okay, why not grab a guy that, first of all, has playoff experience and has won in the playoffs? doesn't matter. If the defense supposedly won a fight, he's still got the victories in the play. Why people are not looking at Tim Tebow in the ways that maybe they'd look at Carson Palmer. I, hey, give me Tim Tebow over Carson Palmer, not just every day, but twice on Sunday. Hey, Trey, well, what do you think about Timmy Tebow coming back to the NFL? Do you agree with Sunday? Trey, are you there or on mute? He's fainted because we're uh, talking pain. about Tim Tebow. Sorry, yeah. I was I was so <laughs> flabbergasted by by Sonny's ridiculous comment, Tarvin. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Sonny, you could take Tim Tebow and you can go 0 and 16 in your franchise. Carson Palmer and go 10 and 6. Um, but uh, the gist of the point of it is: is Tim Tebow mm-hmm. going to be in the NFL next year? And the answer is no. Um, Philadelphia is the only team that's worked him out. How many quarterbacks do they have in their starting roster? They have three. They have Sam Bradford, their starter. They have their backup and Mark Sanchez that is signed. And they have the other USC quarterback who they actually drafted. Until Unless they trade him, Tim Tebow is not going to be on the roster. Now they're talking, there's a chance he gets traded, uh, that Barkley gets traded. Then maybe, then maybe Tim Tebow makes the roster as a third-string quarterback but even then, it's not guaranteed because not every team carries three quarterbacks in their active roster. So the answer is but, Carbon, but somewhere will though, be with the SEC Network next, next year. But somewhere out in the NFL, like I think what Sonny's trying to say is there, there he's he could fill a role and do something. And, and if you look at Arizona, we know Carson Palmer can't stay healthy more than a month in the NFL. But where I mean, just think with a team like no. they had with the defense. If Tim Tebow had been in that game last year, just say for Arizona, they could have possibly beaten Carolina. But I'm not saying he's going to win a bunch of games, but he could be a serviceable backup, guys. I mean, here's here's why that, that absolutely. Well, and here's why that that won't work, Tarvin. Is most of the time you need your backup to be either for like a lot of teams have very young quarterbacks. Like he's not going to be helpful to a Blake Bortles in Jacksonville because they need someone like Chad Henney who's been around the game for eight to ten years, to be able to break down defenses with, with Blake Bortles, um, to, w- to walk through film session. Tim Tebow can't do that. So, okay, so if Tim Tebow can't mentor a young quarterback because he can't read defenses and he can't break down the game uh, the way a, a veteran Ooh. of ten years, eight years can do, uh, and I, I'm saying he can't, um, so then that falls to the next category of quarterbacks, which is, a really star quarterback, you know, a veteran star quarterback, you know, who's entrenched, and maybe you have Tim Tebow as a backup that. And that would be the only situation that would work. But in a lot of those franchises, you have guys in waiting. You know, Tom Brady has a grappolo. You know, they have a guy they're, they're training to be the next Brady. So 
that kind of takes some of those teams out. So really the only kind of team that you would have left, Harvin, is like a Cam Newton where you know he's going to play, he's young, he's your starter. Uh, the only thing left would be to have a backup just in the case of emergency. That's the only way Tim Tebow makes a roster. That's the best but, backup but, but, but in Tim the knows, NFL. But Tim Tebow knows defenses. You act like he, he, he can't look at a defense and break it apart. There's not many quarterbacks as smart as Tim Tebow. And I know that in college the offense he's – he ran. I mean, you have to be very smart. And I know you're a Florida State guy. Cuervo's a Tennessee guy. The team you hate the most is Florida. So, does that have anything to do with what you're talking about? The hate of Tim Tebow? Because I didn't yeah, like no, Tim I Tebow thought, either. No, I thought Tim Tebow should have gone to Jacksonville before they. If you recall on the show, I said you I agree. to get Tim Tebow back then. Back then, yes. a different story. Tim Tebow, it was in the game. He's been in the game now for for a while. Even when he was in the game as a backup for for the Jets, he was terrible. Um, so uh, his role has changed in life. Now I thought when he came off of Denver, uh, and you know, and they were talking about whether or not anybody was going to sign him. I thought Jacksonville was a great destination because they still can go out and draft whatever they wanted, but at least they would get the hype, the money, and the seats that Tim Tebow would bring. Yes. At the time, that was three years ago, Tarvin. Yep. Uh, but not now. It's a different story. Not now. And now you don't throw your franchise away on Tim Tebow. He's 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 not there anymore. Well, you don't uh, throw but, your but, franchise but, away on him. What about Cleveland? About I mean, Cleveland has Josh McCown as their quarterback. Okay, you. I mean, you know. Oh, in Houston, they got Brian Hoyer. Okay, these these. Oh, oh my God. And, and and Brian Hoyer's been living off his career for the last three games and meaningless football games. And this guy's got uh, give me give me Tim Tebow over Brian Hoyer. Give me Tim Tebow over Josh McCown. I mean these these ah uh, uh, I I I I don't know. I I I think one of the problems though, Tarvin, is as much as we like him. The problem is is that. When he is going to be a backup quarterback, he's going to have to be a backup quarterback in a running type quarterback situation. Because if you've got these veteran uh, these veteran teams that have that drop back quarterback, that part I'll admit and come out and say, guess what? That's probably not his game. But if you got a running quarterback and you don't have Tim Tebow, look what he did in Denver. He ran for his life. He made plays on his feet and running away from the defenses and stuff like that so I you know the fact that a team that has got a running quarterback i.e. Washington for gosh sake or for all that merit matters Carolina um, you know these type of quarterbacks Tim Tebow should be able to fit into that system of quarterback maybe I see the fact that he wouldn't be in that drop back quarterback kind of play but it's always nice to have a change of pace as well too if you can't plan for something you, you don't see yeah, Sonny, what if you're like an Andrew Luck, you're the Colts, and you in practice you're seeing Andrew Luck all the time. What if you're playing against a, a dual-threat quarterback, kind of a quarterback that can run, a big guy? Why not use somebody like Tim Tebow to help you practice? I mean, that I've, I heard that somewhere, and exactly. it makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's better than, than what you said about Hoyer or somebody like that. I mean, Josh, he should be in the NFL drawing a paycheck, Trey, and he's not that good on an SEC network either, by the way. <laughs> so, all I'm saying is, is like I could maybe list four teams that would be a viable option at this point for him, based on their roster and what they're trying to do. And I, I don't agree Cleveland would be good. I think Cleveland's out because, you know, McCown's there because obviously Johnny Manziel isn't ready, 
And so bringing Tim Tebow to do what? Again, he he can't be your starter right now. He can't be your backup because you're trying to get Manziel to the starter. So, again, you need somebody veteran present to sort of calm calm uh, Manziel down. And maybe 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 you're thinking that Tim Tebow can be that guy, but I don't I don't even think no. Tim Tebow could help Manziel. No, no, Johnny Manziel needs God in his life, so he need he needs Tim Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Tebow could probably go to Dallas and maybe help uh, that locker room for murderers, rapists, mom exactly and, for forgiveness and everything. Could, yeah, yeah they're kind of help be the team chaplain or something. I mean, there's got to be something. something in Dallas. Speaking of Dallas guys and Cuervo, I'll start with you. What do you think about them getting old Hardy from from Carolina like that? I mean, I know Dallas they have enough thugs as it is. What about a guy that that beats on a woman? Well, I mean, they already got a guy that, you know, hits his mother, so what's the difference, really? And a murderer. Uh, right. So, uh, oh, by the way, um, I don't think Tim Tebow's too worried about getting back in the NFL. He's too busy hanging out with Manny Pacquiao prior to his fight against Floyd Mayweather. So, his life is good for him. So, um, but, you know, as far as Greg Hardy, I think I think that is the closest thing to replacing Marcus Ware as of yep. as of yet, yeah. I mean, and and I think they needed to get a guy like that, a guy that can put pressure on, um, you know, Bradford and and um, oh god, who else is in that dance? Eli Manning, which that's not going to be hard to do because you know they got better everywhere but their offensive line, so it's not going to be hard to get to Eli Manning. And then uh, last but not least, you have uh, RG three, who who if he even stays healthy all season. Uh, it won't be hard to get to him either. So uh, Dallas, I think, did a very good job in picking up Hardy. Um, and I think the message they sent, too, is like, look, the past is the past. And they call it that for a reason. You're a cowboy now, and, and, and now you represent something bigger than um, than you did before. So, you know, let's see what you got. Wow. Boo, and that's bull. Listen, but here's the thing. The, the Cowboys, I got to give them credit where credit is due. Hey, this is a per-game contract, guys, okay? If he's not on the roster, he don't get paid. I mean, so for the Dallas Cowboys to pick up this guy in order to give him the second chance that nobody in the world, unless you're a professional athlete, gets, um, to to be perfect for what has happened down in Dallas as far as business-wise. Business-wise, business-wise, this guy's a badass out on the football field. Let's just be honest, okay? If you and the Dallas Cowboys have been able to shrug the mother, the mother beater, they've been able to shrug, you know shrug the murderer, you know the the assaults and all the drunk driving and all the other stuff. They've been able to shrug that to the side, and they're going to do that with Hardy. And the reason being is, is if you have talent in this league, for some reason you end up on a football team. And that almost sounds kind of completely opposite of what we were talking about is Adrian Peterson. The, the fact of the matter is is that Adrian Peterson is not on the team probably because his talent is in question. When you look at, at Hardy, I don't think you question his talent. So that's the difference between an Adrian Peterson and a Hardy being on the football team in the situations right now. Well, Cuervo, I mean, yeah, Tony, I think... you said if you have talent, you're on an NFL team. Well, well, Trey, what do you think about Michael Sam? Why is he not on a team? He has talent. He deserves to be in the NFL. 
I mean, he, he he likes men. He doesn't beat women. Yeah, I mean, I, Michael Sam produced at least in the level that we saw him last year. I mean, all the people that recorded the sort of preseason numbers that he did ended up on a roster. So, I mean, I, I think he deserves a shot, I mean, based on what we've seen. And, and we haven't seen a whole lot, so it's kind of hard to tell. But, I mean, you know, you can call a spade a spade, Tarvin. Guys with that kind of talent generally are at least get a shot, I and mean, that's for sure. He should get a shot. Cuervo would Cuervo would you rather play with a a guy that prefers men or a, a man that would hit his mother? Who would you rather play with on your team? Uh well, you're putting me on the spot here, Tarvin. Um, I would say the one with the, the one that the one that's a better player on the field. I don't know. I mean, it, to me, it, that that's what it that's what it matters. It's not, you know, about you know whether you hit hit a woman or you you like men or whatever. Who's the better Who's the better talent, really? I mean, and it's maybe it's the wrong answer, but I guess I look at things differently. So, um, but you know, obviously, there's obviously reasons why he's not on the NFL roster right now. And I mean, like like Trey said, I mean, well, from what I saw last year in the preseason, um, the guy the guy looks like. You know he he does his job well, and that's get to the quarterback. I mean that's his job. That's that's what and he's, he's, an, he's an SEC player of the year too, Cuervo. Let's not forget that. Exactly. Listen, it's yeah. simple. The NFL is a bunch of homophobics, and it's because of the. And I'm telling you, it's the players' problem. This is not a front office problem because this is a player problem. I've been in enough locker rooms to know. The NFL and the players are not ready for the gay guy, okay? I'm sorry. That's the fact. You you can talk about political correctness all day long, okay? All right. But the simple fact of the matter in the locker room, this guy is still looked at the way he is. And it's, and really, sometimes when you look at the situation regarding the Michael Sam, sometimes you got to go for the betterment of the team, and that's the reason why they're going away from him, because of the problems in the locker room. They can sit there and lie on camera all day long and say they don't have a problem with it. But I'm going to tell you, <laughs> as many locker rooms that I've been in, they have a problem with Michael. Sam, and it is the players that are a bunch of homophobes, and the NFL covers up for it. And why do they cover up for it? Because they want to look like they're the ones that are politically correct, and they have something to blame it on. It's really simple. Michael Sam's is a badass. You, If you didn't watch him in preseason, you missed something. This guy was a badass out on the football field in preseason. If you missed him in his last year in college, you missed the badass. He got the, he got the award for a reason. He got the award because he does it all on the football field. It's really simple. We talked about if a guy has talent, he's on a football field. That is true, unless you've got a homophobic you know, league. And that is because, that's on the players. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think Sonny's right, Trey. It, that they're not ready. The players control it. We all know that. that yep. If they're not going to accept it. But, but as, a, as a man myself, you know, you work with homosexuals, that's that's fine. As long as business is business, and at the end of the day, it doesn't affect who you are. But I want somebody on my team that wants to win, that's going to be a team player and give me a better chance to win a Super Bowl. And sometimes when you have people like Michael Sam in there, I don't think Michael Sam's going to go around trying to hit on guys in the locker room, in the showers. Come on, get real. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not a big Michael Sam fan the way he did it. 
when he came out and the way he did, it looks like he was just trying to get attention and to force the NFL's hand to draft him, and it backfired against him. But Trey, an SEC Defensive Player of the Year that can put up numbers like this should be in the NFL, period. I mean, that's all I'm going to say about it. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. I think a lot of people have misjudged him or, or discredited his, his talent. I mean, the guy should – the guy should be on a roster, given a shot. If he doesn't produce, fine, and, and he, just like any other NFL player. But he's not being given a shot. I know he was at the uh, the veteran NFL Combine this week, um, and that's what I understand he did pretty well. Uh, but Tarvin, don't don't look now, buddy. But number one, Wisconsin is in trouble. Uh, what? Only up don't tell one, me that. Only up one against Oregon. Remember, the Pac-12 is seven and zero in this tournament. Tarvin seven and zero. 7.36 left, TV timeout, and Wisconsin's in trouble. Oh, seven well, minutes. Remember. Plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, let's remember, Wisconsin, when it, when it comes down to the last seven minutes of the game, let's just say last five minutes of the game, free throws, there's no team better in the country, really, than Wisconsin shooting free throws. Tonight they're struggling a little bit, six of 11. But when it's crunch time and you need those free throws, I, I look for Wisconsin to pull away in this game to get up by about 10 but it's all said and done. But, yeah, Trey, it, it is reason to panic a little bit. If you have Wisconsin making it all the way, this could, this could really push your bracket. in the last three minutes, Tarvin, and they are uh, struggling from three-point land, six of 21 from three-point land tonight. That's not good. They, they are cold. Well, here they come. They're cold. Yeah, they're cold. But the thing is, now they, they're going to the free-throw line. It's about coaching. Wisconsin, they have five coaches out on that court. And and that's what they do. They're going to make Oregon pay. Oregon's a scrappy little team. They're a good bunch. But when it comes to the last four minutes of a basketball game, guys, I would I would love to have Bo Ryan in my corner and those free throw shooters that these guys can play ball. Speaking of that, they hit the first free throw to go up by two. And and also the Louisville Northern Iowa game is about to tip off. That's why I'm going to have to run out of here and and watch that game. It's coming on at. 9.45 Eastern, two minutes away. Anything you want to talk about before we get out of here tonight? I'm going to do a show before the Sweet 16 so we can break down all the games. No, guys, I'll see you then, Tarvin. I'm, I'm going to head out, too. All right, bud. Cuervo, anything you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think we covered everything, man. Uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, I, had, I had fun talking with you tonight. And Sonny, good to hear your voice again. I know you're... Uh, you're a hard person to contact nowadays, so it's crazy. I called. I called the indoor soccer last night. It was unbelievable. What? Yeah, I called indoor soccer games. Two of them, one on uh, Scorekeepers uh, program and one on mine. Uh, that's where I was yesterday. That uh, so I was. Uh, that's calling why you indoor wanted that password. That's why you uh, yeah. wanted that password. Yeah, because I had to, I had two shows to do. So there you go. Well, Sonny, I, I, I believe we're going to see you one day on CBS, ESPN, or something. As, as good as you are calling games, and and also it's not just about how good you are; it's how much practice you're getting to be yep. able to step in one day. Cuervo, I can see Sonny doing that. Could you? Oh, oh, heck yeah, heck yeah. 
Hey, and I almost got on ESPN3 because they're covering some of those games on ESPN3 via their uh, their 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 feeds, not real ESPN, but via feeds like uh, some of these other ones. But I almost got on ESPN3. If I would have done it next week in Chicago, I would have been on ESPN3. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> well, Sonny, Sonny, when you make it big, just make sure you remember us, okay? Yeah, as long as I can yeah. get there. And by the way, I'm looking to do, and something that they keep on mind for Cuervo, I'm still looking to do our Sunday show during the NFL, but doing it earlier because, uh, you know, the way it's working, I'm making more money by working on sat- on Sunday for most of the day. So we might want to think about uh, doing a Saturday night show or early Sunday morning show, and I mean early. So it just depends if you're ready to kick it and do it that way. So something to think about. Yeah, definitely. All right. uh, I, I'm down for it, you know. Um, yeah, we can do that, you know. And, and, and going off of what Tarvin said, Sonny, is if you do get up there in, in the ranks and whatever, just as long as you don't address yourself as Sonny Clark professional cockfighter, I think we'll all be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, my friend. All right. That well, quick good. Up, hey, quick update, enjoy quick the game. update guys. With, with 5.30 left, Wisconsin and Oregon are tied at 52. Uh, Wisconsin going to the the free throw line right now. So make sure you watch that again. Louisville and Northern Iowa is about to tip off in the next couple of minutes. But thank you guys very much for joining us. We'll be back this week to preview the Sweet 16. It's either going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. We'll I'll have to to pick a time. But hopefully you can join us, Cuervo and Sunny. Thanks for joining me. Y'all have a great week, and I hope your brackets aren't as bad as mine. Take care. <laughs> Later. <laughs>